But my name's Joe Lewis. I've been coming to the net actually since it began. That was right when I got to Colorado Springs. And uh, there's been a lot of things that the net has brought to me that's been a tremendous blessing on me and also on a nonprofit organization I founded that supports children of our fallen military and first responders. And uh, basically, pretty much everything that I needed to keep going and everything the nonprofit needed to keep going has come as a, uh, as a product, as a gift or a uh, divine appointment through new life, most of it through the net. And I keep coming back because the support network that I found, um, not like I needed padding on the back or any of this other kind of stuff, but it was just just such a positive thing that, uh, that I found coming back, meeting people. I was new in Colorado Springs and found that the faces that I met at the net are the same ones I started seeing on Sundays, and the huge church became kind of small and uh, just really helped me transition into being here. And uh, been very busy with the, with the nonprofit, and it's been uh, certainly a God thing from calling through fruition, through divine appointments like I talked about, with some resources coming available recently, and uh, a, a lot of progress that's happened. So, uh, Russell, I don't know if you wanted me to go into that for a couple of seconds or just, uh, okay. So the, the idea behind it is that I was in the military. I was in three different branches, Army National Guard to start off with to pay f- through college, Marine Corps for about 11 years. I got out. 9-11 happened. I got back in, but I went full-time Air National Guard. And between all of that, cobbled together 21 active years out of 25 total counting guard time. And I lost friends along the way in, in all the different services, actually. And what I saw was guys with young kids. And they were really young. And I always worried about how the kids were growing and developing when they would move back to wherever they were from. And I had one friend in particular whose wife dealt with it by cutting off that portion of her life. So when Greg crashed, we didn't just lose Greg. We also lost his wife and we lost his son. I contacted, you know, I spent a lot of time worrying and wondering, you know, how's he doing? And does he know what kind of man his dad was? And that kind of stuff. So as I got a little further along, closer to retirement, I was trying to figure, well, what am I going to do? And do I want to just go take the contract job to make money? I'd been with the airlines for a little while and uh, decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do when I retired. And it was like a lightning bolt moment where do something for these kids. That's, that's the kind of thing. And it was exciting. I went from bored, can't think of what I want to do, what am I going to do, to thoroughly excited about the possibilities and thought that this is it. This, I've, I've been shown what to do, and I want to do that as long as I physically can, not go work at the next job to the next retirement. So uh, I did some research. Over 16,000 children since 9-11 uh, have, have lost a uh, military parent. It's harder to come up with specific numbers for first responders, but we include them in our support network because post 9-11, I think everybody gets. These guys also lay their lives on the line. There's a lot of crossover as well, military to, to first responders and guard guys that are first responders as well. So uh, we kicked it off. Uh, took about a year for the IRS to give us our 501c3. I don't know if I was in that official penalty box because of Angels of America's Fallen or, or whatever, but, uh, but we got it, and we actually got it in hand March of this year, and since then, it's expanded like crazy. Um, what we found was, when I talk about what the kids needed, I found that there were grief camps at the beginning, and that's good, the kids need, need to know how to cope with it, um, and then there were scholarships at the end, and that's the typical thing you hear, scholarships, that's what we're going to do for this kid. But the average age is seven years old, so between seven and 18, you got a life of growing up without one, without one of your biggest mentors, with the other parent probably going to work, or back to college, or maybe they dealt with it very poorly, and they've turned to substances and other things to cope themselves. And I thought the kids really needed something now, and all the way through adulthood, not just a one-time camp, not a one-week thing where they come back home and home's still the same place. may even be the place that mom or dad committed suicide, where actually 
finding a lot of that. And uh, I wanted to get them involved with an activity that they choose. It's their outlet. They pick soccer. They pick karate, band, um, piano, whatever their thing is. But let's go out and find them, get them engaged in that activity, pay for it, have them with an adult coach or a mentor that can give them some guidance. And then once they find their thing, keep it going until they're 18. You know, keep them, uh, give them an option to stay out of trouble. Don't run with the wrong crowd. Don't be withdrawn and go into suicide because they're at higher risk for depression, quitting high school, drug abuse, and suicide. So um, started kind of slow. Got our first family here, the wife of the first chaplain to die in a combat zone since Vietnam. His three boys are here, and we did YMCA summer camps. We did a mommy and me swim class for the youngest one. It was too, too young to go to camp on his own. And then trombone rental during the school year and track registration, piano lessons for a local girl. And then all of a sudden, word started spreading amongst the spouse network. And, um, you know, resources were out of my pocket to start with. And then the board members that I brought on put some in. But real quickly, uh, we found that the spouse network resulted in a ton of these families contacting us. And uh, we ended up with, what did we get? 43 registrations at one time, 68 in one month. So we, in, we actually had to stop it at 100 children because it's about $1,000 per child, depending, summer camp plus an activity. And then we have been very successful getting the organizations that might be soccer in California. We're in 19 states already, 100 kids, 19 states. Uh, the day after we closed it at 100 kids, we ended up with 52 more registration attempts the next day. And that was after taking the form off the website. This is, this is how great the need is out there. So um, it's rolling. It's rolling, but the feedback is tremendous uh, from some of these families, particularly the ones where they fall through the cracks, suicide. There's a Washington State. Uh, I'm kind of going on here, but it's pretty powerful stuff. A, a small girl in Washington State's dad was in the Army. He had gone to Afghanistan. He was back home on leave. He asks his wife to pick him up a bottle of vodka, and she goes and does that and drops it off as she runs some more errands. When she came home, he had the pistol out in the living room. They physically fought over the pistol, and he committed suicide and shot himself in the home in front of the wife and in front of the two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. She regressed from walking back to crawling, back into diapers, and when she began kindergarten, she needed to go into special needs group, and that's where she was. Um, because alcohol was involved, the command decided that this was not a line-of-duty death, and they did not get the uh, life insurance, the SGLI life insurance, and this is a common thread. We're, we're finding a lot of these, and we're finding suicides when the guy's gotten off active duty as well. We go out of our way to catch the children that are falling through the cracks. From our perspective, every child's loved just as much. Combat, training, um, or an illness-related death, or PTSD suicide after somebody separates, they don't qualify for some other things, but they certainly are going to qualify for assistance from us. And in this case, the little girl's mother started her in dancing lessons. So she's doing ballet, and um, she begins to come out of her shell, and actually she has come around quite a bit. So this year it looks like she may not need to be in a special needs class, but the mom didn't have money to keep the ballet lessons going. She didn't have the insurance money. So we're paying that, and the feedback from that mother and the story and the picture of the little girl in her, in her dancing outfit, I tell you that I, I'm uncompensated. This, I don't know at what point I might get paid because this is my full-time pursuit. It's a calling. Uh, my board will determine when, when we make it to that point where we hire staff, and I'd be one of those, but... Uh, I, I can't tell you how rewarding that is to say, um, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Get a confirmation through a meeting, whether it's the guy that files nonprofits that I met here at the Net that had just quit the big law firm to do it affordably, or the media executive that I met at military prayer time 
that had been the, uh, the press guy for Eastman Chemical Company, you know, like Eastman Kodak, that kind of quality, that come up and say, hey, do you need any help with press releases? Right when it's time for me to start getting the machine rolling. And uh, then a trip to D.C. last week where I wanted to meet with a senator, a particular one from Alabama where I'm from, and I wanted to target my, my growth. You can imagine with if you go all 50 states, then it's kind of hard to get resources. But if you can fill one state and say, we're really trying to get all these kids, then you can go to those local foundations and state foundations and say, here's the need in your state. Get them all on board. Get those resources and move to the next one. Um, and the standard thing is, yeah, we'll get a staffer or whatever. So I go down to the little cafeteria, and I look to my left as I'm eating a sandwich, and there he is, right beside me in a little cafeteria. So these kind of things... You know, where I stand up and talk to him, and of course he listens, and he takes my card, he actually gave me quite a bit of time, had one of his senior staffers follow up. Um, then it, I ended up picking up a $20,000 check from our first foundation in, in Alabama, where the CEO spent an hour with me, um, and then said, I'm on the board of these two other companies, and we're going to hook you up there. And then a former senator from Alabama said, okay, I'm going to give you 20000 now. I've got 10000 more. If I don't spend it by December, you get that 10000 But in January, the year starts over. I'm going to give you twenty more in January. And that was a week right after we found out that we had all these other kids we couldn't support. So it's just coming. It's rolling. And uh, those are things that I kept coming here to the net, and I kept hearing. And it started with New Life. James 127, um, you know, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here, but, you know, there's no more perfect religion than to take care of widows and spouses and to keep oneself protected from the, the evils of the world kind of thing. And that's what I was doing with my life, with my family, coming here, being a part of New Life and serving this group. And it was in Brady's book, and he brought it up a few times. And then there's been confirmations. And every, every week at the net, um, I'd run into someone or I'd hear something that applied directly to the temptations, to the pulling, to the spiritual warfare, whatever the issue was at hand for me. So uh, for the rest of you, for those that are newer to the net, I hope you find that same kind of, uh, resp I don't know, same, same kind of good stuff coming out of the net. I certainly have. It's been po very positive to me, and uh, it's a personality shift as well. Um, I never would have come to these things before. I, I, I just simply wouldn't have. And now I look forward to them, and I was disappointed when I had to miss one last week because I was on the road. So given that, I would like to just say a quick prayer and then pass it over to Russell. Dear Father, we thank you for the blessings you've given us. Uh, thank you for, in particular, this group of men that have come here tonight to engage in fellowship and to grow spiritually, that, uh, that the Spirit would lead us, that uh, Russell's words and uh, the topic for tonight would strike home with, uh, with all of us here, and that we would carry that forward, spread it with our families, pass it on to our children and to our neighbors or friends, and, and see, the, see the net grow and see more men get involved. That's, that's what we, I think, deeply need in this country are strong men leading their families, leading our country, and uh, leading them towards you when common culture is, is doing everything they can to pull us away from you. But I uh, thank you very much for all the blessings you've given us, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh, one last thing. Got a sign-up form going around. If you would, name, email, and if it's your first time here or not, that way we can make sure you get on the database, get an email so you know about the upcoming events and what's going on. Hey guys, welcome to the net. It's good to see you guys. For you new guys especially, welcome. Um, I can stand here with uh, history in, in view and assure you that uh, there's, if you hang with us long enough, there's friendships uh, a, a coming. 
There's too many guys that are sitting out in isolation. And just even tonight to take and have the courage to come and even sit at this table is going to get you moving. Uh, If you didn't pick up from just Joe's story, it's really incredible. This is a new man. He's a completely new man. And that's what I believe and, and see in the eyes of some of you guys is that God has great purposes in store for you, but you may be so locked down, you have no clue uh, where to even get moving. And that's really what this place is. It is a training ground. It's a place for encouragement. It's a place also to get equipped because you are God's men. If you're bound up in addictions or uh, you know depression, uh, if you hang around here, let me just warn you, that's going to be broke off. Amen? Amen. When I look out, I see men of courage. Because that's what God has, been, has spoken over you. If you have the Spirit of God flowing through you, it's a matter of time. It's not a formula. It's really a belief that it's from that that God's going to move you from a place of weakness to strength. And that's, that's why we're here. That's, that's, what we, that's what we're looking for with men and, and this is a place uh, to have a conversation with men. And then you guys connect. And just like last week, there was a guy that just moved here from out of town. And, and you know, he just his world's kind of on fire. And, you know, his, his girl's got to get plugged in. And new neighborhood and new work and, and, and new everything. And then he got three names and phone numbers from three older men that ironically are all traveling this week. And, and that guy is off and running. But when he came in here... He really had nothing, and he just moved here. And that is, if I can even use the word anointing, is that God wants to connect you so that you no longer work in isolation, but gets you moving with strong brothers. So if you hang here long enough, be encouraged, men. You're not going to go it alone. So how's that sound? Makes me want to stay around longer, right? (laughs) That's good. Hey guys, I'm really excited about this semester of the net. And just to give you a little pathway for where we're going, it's really wrapped up in this statement uh, that, is, that is really my statement. And, and it's a statement that if I can just use it as a, a model, if you will, uh, for really even this morning when I finished my run, I just found myself getting to the end of my run and I found myself just praying this over the things that I had going on today. God, I have a desire to develop into a man of courage. Because right now, uh, I'm not sure if I have the courage to lead in the specific things that I've got on my plate today. And I've got work before me that, God, I am asking. I need wisdom, insight, and understanding to push into the task today. And then at the same time, God, you are so much bigger than any problem I have that I'm just asking that you would increase the measure of faith that I have, that I would believe in you, God. This, this is my prayer, guys. And, and as we move through this uh, semester, the fall semester of the net, I, I want to reference this is that, that the, I would love to see that you men craft a similar statement It's a developmental statement that really represents where you are, where you're growing in your faith, where you're growing in 
your character, where you're growing in your skills and developing to become the men of God that God's called you to be. And so we're on this developmental pathway, and, and we've got a, a, a natural break at the uh, New Life Leadership Conference in September where we're going to take on these six attributes on a six-week part. And I've got a couple of uh, gray and silver-haired guys who are going to come in and teach on some of these uh, big ideas. But before we get to that break, um, where, where I'm wanting to go over the next three weeks is, is into more of a, a reflective discussion and study on the book of Timothy. And l- let me give you a little context for that. Um, next slide, Michael. When I was in high school, I was a 16-year-old, arrogant, wet-behind-the-ears young buck. And I, I was just coming into my faith and just coming into, you know immaturity I don't know but you know I was just arrogant let's just leave it at that. <laughs> and I went into this Bible study and it was in a youth group setting but this older gentleman uh, a father figure was leading it with a group of scrapping boys and we got to the end of that Roman study and I looked at this guy and I said hey I want you to disciple me you know, I got my keys to my car, and basically I'm ready to cruise for the rest of life. So, you know, I, I, need to, I need your help to get me there. And so he looked at me, and the first thing he said was, um, well, will you do the homework? Do the homework. What do you mean by that? He goes, well, I mean, I'll meet with you, but only if you do the homework. And I'm like, all right, so what's the homework? He said, for the next two weeks, I want you to read 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, and I want you to read it every day for two weeks. And don't call me until you're done. I was like, wow, okay, there's a challenge. The gauntlet's been thrown down. I'm 16 and arrogant, but I'm not going to be beat by this guy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it. Well, the guy's masterfully tricked me. So... I get into this, and I'm like, so when are we going to meet? Waffle House, the other side of Atlanta, 30 minutes away. I'm 16, a junior in high school. 35-minute drive, other side of Atlanta. We meet at 5.30 in the morning near my house at Waffle House, and we'll begin. I'm like, are you kidding? Are you in or are you not? And I'll be there. So here we go. Well, that began a five-year-long regular meeting with Gary. And this is me with Gary and Carol just a few weeks ago in Atlanta. Gary has truly been a spiritual father for me and a man who's invested in me for a lot of years. But one of the greatest things that Gary gave me was Gary gave me, uh, really he gave me the word of God. This man spent countless hours working with me, but he worked me over the word of God. And it's, it, and it's from that that I want to just invite you in the same, if I could use the word, discipline over the next couple of weeks. And I want to ask you guys the same thing that Gary asked me to do years ago, is to, over the next three weeks, read First and Second Timothy with me. And then in, in the net, over these next few weeks, We're going to discuss three specific things, and I'll unpack that here in a minute. 
So that's where we're going the next few weeks, and then we're going to move into some more specific development things towards the end of the semester with you guys. And so what, why would, Russell, I mean, I got enough to do. I got enough, I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm just trying to keep my wife happy. My kids are trying to start school. Life's crazy, and I come to the net. You know, you have no idea what I'm facing right now, and you're giving me homework. Are you kidding? So why are we going through this rigmarole? Why, why are we pushing on you to go to this next step? And it's, it's because of this, guys. Oh, there we go. What is your calling that you've received? If you've been around the net any period of time, for me, the birthplace of the net was two years ago where I sat on a rock and I read Ephesians 4.1 and God said to me, God, Russell, I want you to live your life worthy of the calling that you've received. It's a very personal call on our lives. And for me, that's a stewardship issue that only I can answer for. And gentlemen, it's the same with you. I want to just take just a second and ask you men to just, just take the details of your day and the burdens that you're facing. And I want you just to step out of this and get off of the 2,000 foot or boots on the ground issues of the day. And I want to invite you up to about 30,000 feet for just a few minutes. This is the stuff of vision. This is the stuff of dreams. This is the stuff that you were made for, guys. And it's tied up with this. The vision and mission of your calling will determine how you are to be equipped. The testimony of Joe tonight could not be more powerful for me because that I cannot tell you, Joe, how inspiring your story is to me. Because I, my challenge to this prayer that I just prayed this morning is that I've got some decisions that I've got to make that are requiring a huge step of faith for me. And I'm right at that threshold again. And I'm having to step into this with all the courage that God's deposited in me. And this is real, guys. But this isn't new to me. The visions that God has written on my heart to step into has been there for a while. Wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength and you'll mount up on wings of the eagles and run and walk. So what is, what's the waiting for? And in some ways, God has been waiting to develop me into the man that he's called me to be. It's a, I use the word partnership, that he's maturing you guys. And, and that maturity process is something because he has big purposes in mind for you guys. And it's a developmental pathway, which really, if you embrace it, reveals the maturity of the kind of believer that you are. So, I don't know about you guys, but um, I've, got some, I've got a desire to be equipped. And, um, and I hope that just even through tonight, it'll open up some ideas for you. But we, as we move into this evening, though, the foundation of this really is is in the scriptures it is the power of the holy spirit flowing in and through you to prepare you to be the man of god because he wants to do something mighty through you but the very equipping isn't founded in the precious promises of the word of god so let's get eyes on that 
if we can. So if you have your Bibles, let's take a look. It's, it's 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. Some of you guys, this is old stomping grounds, but I would just ask you to take a look at it afresh. I'm going to read just a verse or two before. So out of 2 Timothy 3, verses 14, we'll begin. But as for you, men, but as for you, Russell, but as for you, gentlemen, this is one of those places in your Bible that you can write your name next to it. (laughs) But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. It's maturity. Because you know that from that you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, and you were able to make wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that you, man of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's biggest toolbox for developing God's men for the work he has prepared in advance before you were even born is sitting right here in this book, gentlemen. It's right there. And here's the promise that he wants to train you up for the work that he's going to do. We've got some military guys in here, and when I say training, you guys sit a little straighter because you know what that really represents. And here God is, is calling you into a training and developing process to mature you for the work that he's called you to be. So here's the reality, though, that I've, I've observed, because there's many guys that at this point into kind of a talk like this, the glaze begins to, you know, come over. Because the reality is most men have never had a Gary Klingler in their life. Most men can't even begin to relate to an older man who would take five years at 5.30 in the morning and sit with a young guy going through the scriptures. Most guys can't even begin to relate to a meeting or two, let alone just hours spitting in discussion over the word of God. And so, guys, I don't want to take anything for granted tonight. Wherever you are on this journey of faith and wherever you are and equipped in the areas of the Word of God, I just want to offer some very practical suggestions that wherever you are, that tonight, that you can get moving on something, that you will come away tonight with just something out of this toolbox that I've been given over the years that will get you moving. That literally by the end of tonight, what happens at your tables and the notes that you take is something that you can literally take and own as a skill, if you will, that you can take into your marriage. That you can take into your family mealtime discussions. That you can take into your living room for small group. You can take into your workplace when you're surrounded by just a few believers that this is really, this is the pay dirt of what God wants to do to begin working this development and training inside of you. So where do we start? This is something that I've just coined. I call it a biblical blessing. As I look through just the lineup of men in my life, 
starting with family members, I've observed something is that when I spend time with men, men or women of faith, there's always something very interesting that if you listen and pay close attention, there's usually some landmark verses that have been with them since, as the scripture says, from infancy. The infancy he refers to is the infancy of your faith. Is that is the, the scriptures that really that you took hold of and digested, and it's literally become part of your DNA. And as I've spent time with older believers in the faith, and they begin giving counsel and advice, it is those great and precious promises that you'll hear coming from them. That there are decades of tear-stained journal entries around holding on to those promises, and they don't just give away those things just in spite or as a little token idea. And that, it's, the, it's that spirit, it's the depth of that, that that's really what I call a biblical blessing. It is something that as I spend time with men, I'm listening carefully because when somebody spouts off a verse, it's something that really they have taken hold of and they own. And guys, I want to suggest to you tonight that you guys have been given a biblical blessing. Whether it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever perished have eternal life. Or trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, he will direct your path. That every one of you here, if you are, if you are a believer in following Christ, you have what I call a biblical blessing that really marks you. And this is the starting place of the training ground of Scripture where that thing becomes part of your development. Because this big book, for most guys, is, is very intimidating. It's very overwhelming. And so most guys go, wow, I believe it, I get it, I'm sure it's good. But then it goes right here until next Sunday or whenever. So, guys, what is your biblical blessing? And I really want you to start thinking on that. Just everything from what has been imparted to you from a dad, from a grandmother, from an uncle, from a pastor that spoke to you, a counselor, a friend. What, what, what precious promise has been spoken over you that you've really received so that when you have that 3 a.m. morning and you wake up and nothing is settling you down, but all of a sudden some truth comes to mind. What is that truth? When you're, when you're just facing some turmoil or, or distress or whatever it is and suddenly something comes out of nowhere and it's truth that speaks over whatever anxiety or lie. What is that biblical blessing? Guys, I want to surface this thing tonight for you to put eyes on this. And then even just as importantly, I want you to invite some of these other guys to share in that with you. So what do you do with this? So um, let's go back real quick on that one. So what do you do with that? Um, It's the meditation and the study and applying to your life. And and that's, that's really where, as you begin writing down some of these things, uh, you get some movement on that. So that's the biblical blessing. 
The next step, for some of you guys, that's old hat. Let me invite you into just maybe some next steps if you want to take it deeper. If you want to take a topical or theme, most of you guys know where your biggest pain point is right now. Amen? You walked in the room, I can see it on your faces. There is a pain point in your life. And let me encourage you, gentlemen, that is the place that you start studying the scriptures. I promise you, whatever pain you're facing tonight, the scripture has some truth that will set you free, or at least on a path towards moving to get liberated and see that pain become redeemed. That's the place where you start. It's not some arbitrary topic or theme. Look at it from either a pain or a potential of whatever God is speaking in and through you. If there's something burning in you over being a dad of a daughter, God has something to speak to you about being a dad. If God has something, if you if you've got something burning in you to step out on huge faith to start an organization or leave a business, and 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 you're dealing with some insecurities and fear with that, God certainly has something to speak. So that that is really the topic. Is the question is what is my pain point tonight? And then you move into the scriptures on that. Some of you guys, this is old hat for. Some of you are hearing it for the first time, but I just want th- this. This is timeless stuff, guys. This is timeless. The next one is the character studies. These, for me, are absolutely my favorite. I mean, I like watching epic films just like the next guy. And, I mean, the scripture is loaded with epic stories. My wife's starting a women's study this fall, and she's going through Gideon. And it's like, I want to be in on that deal because Gideon is just rocking awesome. You know, I love just completely absorbing myself in the nuances and details of these characters' lives. And, and the scriptures is loaded with them. And guys, I encourage you to take as much time as you need just, just to fully vest yourself into what the, the scriptures have to say about these characters. Because when you do, these guys almost become your friends. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you're facing a situation, and you can relate to what they went through. I love character studies and just invite you into that. And then the books and the letters. Man, that is, um, that is, that is big stuff to step into it at that level. And let, let me just give you another story from uh, my history. Is that I had a, a, a little bit older gentleman that targeted about six or seven guys, and I was probably in my mid-twenties. And he said, I'm going to start another study on Romans, ironically. And of course, I'm like, well, I already did a study on Romans, but maybe it didn't take. So I'll go into another Romans study a few years later. And so, but the guy said, so here's the, here's the commitment, or here's the homework. And I'm like, boy, I've heard this one before. Okay, so what's the homework and the commitment? Here we go. We're going to go through a once a month study that we're going to meet and and your commitment to us, the team, is that you're going to take 20 hours, invest yourself into the chapter of Romans. And then in addition to that, you're going to memorize the chapter and we're going to go through it one month at a time. And the rules are you're not allowed to look at any sort of commentary that the only, the only source of your study is the scriptures and a concordance and that's it 
that was work. Oh my goodness, though. That, that, I don't know what I learned about Romans, but in that year, with those men under the leadership of that instructor, I learned how to, I learned how to study the Word of God. But man, it was work. Because what happens, what I learned through that experience is you could have a guy come in and teach and go through all this stuff. And if you, as a recipient, haven't vested yourself into that, next thing you know, you're in this kind of bobblehead. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. But when you're vested into it, what happens is the questions surface. And the curiosity. And and you're, you're the one that's on the edge of the seat. And you're the one challenging ideas and testing it. Is is that really what God thinks? And you're vesting yourself into it. And then you bring that into a discussion in a trusted community. Guys, it's powerful. And it's one, honestly, guys, it's not modeled very often. At best, it's a little little paperback with some fill-in-the-blanks and maybe a video series. But going through that level of commitment is not one that I've seen uh, really modeled well, and it requires a huge amount of time. Is anyone, I'm just curious, has anyone ever gone through that level of intense study? Excellent, thank you. So where do I, where do I begin? You've given me four, um, four approaches to studying the scriptures. Where do I begin tonight? What, what do I do? You've, you've, te- you've teased me with this, this tool and, and what we're going to do and where we're, you know, how do, how do I get moving on this? And, and here is just an acronym that hopefully is sticky because most guys are dirty. And, uh, and the idea is that you wash yourself in this thing every day. And, uh, and some of it is going to uh, rub off or get you clean. So how many of you guys have seen this SOAP acronym? A couple of you. Great. It's really, um, it, it, honestly, when I first saw it, I thought, it's a little corny. Um, but it really works, guys. Is that for your devotional time and your time with your wife or your family or even in a study group with some men, even in the workplace, is that you can take this, and we're going to go through this at tables here in a few minutes, is that you look at a scripture, and usually that scripture is surfaced from some reading. Some guys like a routine reading that they're going to go through this many chapters in a period of time, or you're just reading through this book or reading through this character, but usually it's in some selected reading that from that, that there is a verse that just resonates with your soul and the Holy Spirit has really highlighted it for you. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yes. And for some of you guys that don't know what that is, it is, it is, this is, this is the power of God and this is where God is wanting to prick and quicken your spirit that he's getting ready to open up something for you. And so from the scripture, this is where you t- stop and take a pause, and maybe even get out a piece of paper and start writing down maybe the actual whole verse. And so from that whole verse, then the next thing is you're taking some observations. What's God speaking here through this one verse or one idea? Trying to take on a whole passage or even a paragraph, you kind of lose something. So I highly encourage just focusing on a verse and, and really going deep with that. It certainly doesn't mean you can't take on larger sections, but it just it, 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 it loses something. And you may come back to the next verse another day. 
So, and then the applications. Now, applications can get a little funny. If you cheat, if you cheat on observations and you go right to applications, it can get a little screwy. So this applications piece is one that you just take down and carefully work through that piece. But let me just give you the little tip on it. The more you vest yourself in observations, the, the, the clearer the applications become because it rules out other options. And, and I'll just m- mention some ideas more about that in a second. And then finally, to close off this washing, literally the renewal of your mind, is in prayer. It's just literally praying through that scripture with the Lord. And, and the Lord will really um, confirm some things and really get you moving in some areas. And often, um, it's more and more as you grow in this process, is that the Lord will bring specific things to mind that will really get you moving on this thing. There's a reason why God wants to speak to you and communion with you over his word but it just is a process. Now, some of you guys, some of you guys can do this in a few minutes. Some of you guys, as you step into this, what it does is it creates a hunger inside of you that you go, oh my goodness, this is great. I, I want more of this. And the next thing you know, your 15 becomes 20 and your 20 becomes 30. And then you find yourself spending more and more time where you, you, next thing you know, it's an hour. And, and, and you've lost yourself. You, you're, you're looking at a man here today who five to six days a week, it's an hour to two hours with the Lord in the morning. And why is that? Is it a discipline? Is it a duty? Am I obligated? No, because I love my father. And my father has volumes that he wants to speak to me. And so he gets my attention. And it's not a burden. It's a liberty. So, guys, I invite you into this. And for men who like to get their hands on something, this is a process that can get you moving. So let's keep um, going with a couple more ideas around this. So another idea, and we'll just skip through this, because some of you guys learn and experience things in different way. This is, this is something that just... Um, is almost a prayer point and a study point uh, that hit me about three, four years ago. And it's one of, uh, that's rooted in the scriptures of just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I was reflecting on that idea, why does he say it that way? Why does he say it so holistically around that? And, and as I've looked at that and unpacked that, is, is, there is... There's a lot more there than we have time to talk about tonight. But let's just, from the purposes of biblical study, that I would invite you to look at study in the Word and being in the Word holistically. That it's not just what's going on in your mind. It's what God's doing in your heart and He's resonating in your emotions. And then something happens that transfers that something just like just somebody flipped a circuit breaker inside of you and it literally like manifests in your physical strength. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you're like a dead man walking and then all of a sudden God just resonates something inside of you and it supercharges you to go out and do what you didn't think was possible. And then just 
um, just at a soul and spirit level of just the, the, the deep issues that God really wants to really speak to you about who he is and, and who you are and, and your identity. And guys, when you see the scriptures of be still and know that I'm God, that is, that's, the, that's the quiet space where God often works. Is a busy mind and heart and hands rarely gets to this place. It's not that God can't supersede that. But just, I just encourage you from a devotional standpoint, studying the scriptures, look at this thing holistically as, as your connecting points to God. So is that helpful for some of you guys? Okay. So this is kind of fun for me. Um, this is a go deeper experience. Um, some of you guys have teenage kids. I do. I have a couple of them down the hall. Um, this is fun for me because my aunt and uncle really just absolutely my, you know, some of my spiritual heritage. Um, my aunt and uncle have been faithfully leading a camp for five decades. That's half a century. And they're well into their 70s now and travel the world uh, teaching uh, at Word of Life camps all over internationally. But their camp is out of Montana, and uh, Pat and Bob will be here actually next week, and I can't wait to see them. When I was 14 years old, I sat in their log cabin in Ekalaka, Montana, which is 150 miles south of the nearest McDonald's and about five hours southeast of Billings, Montana. And sitting in their little log cabin at their camp with 150 campers, I was with a little small group of maybe 10 or 12, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And the assignment of the day was, this is the verse, and, and it was out of 1 Corinthians 3. And I want you to, to just take this little couple verses and give me 25 observations. 25 observations, are you kidding? And we began working these things. 25 observations off of just a couple. A couple of verses. The next day we came back and said, okay, that's great, but I want you to make another 25 observations. At this point, it's just like, are you kidding? But we're working it. And then we came back the third day, and then they said, we want you to give us 50 observations. 50 observations tied up in three, four verses. And you know what? At 14 years old, we did it. And I did it. The scriptures are a spoonful to nourish a quick taste, but a depth of oceans that we can't even imagine. And some of you guys are, are geared for this. Some of you are like, whatever, Russell. But th- there are times where if you're really working something, that if you just take the time and engage the mind that God has given you for all the possibilities, it is fascinating what you can observe. Every one of you guys are smart guys. You really are. I couldn't read, my first book I ever read was when I was a freshman in college. Because of the violence and abuse and everything that I grew up with, with a broken home, I couldn't read a book. And God literally rebuilt my mind just in the way of just, just he sanctified my mind and in that rebuilt it so that I could actually learn how to read. And this is some of those things. Now, so what do you do for 100 observations? It's the old Columbo thing. Who's, who's writing? Who's he writing to? What's going on? What are they talking about? What, what, what's the context? 
You know, where's the location? Um, you know, when is this happening? What's the context? Who are the people? And so on and so forth. You know, how is this getting done? And why is he writing this thing? And, and as you begin to really engage those simple questions, it's amazing what absolutely gets unlocked. And especially when you get into the area of character studies, this really can be fun. And so when you get guys around a table engaged on that kind of level of thinking, it, man, it's electrifying what God can do and the Holy Spirit can come and infuse some incredible thinking just to wake you guys up. And this is all sitting here in a couple of verses, guys. I love it. So that's just one little exercise. Here's another one. So you guys are familiar with this language. It's, you see it mostly in Matthew 13, but it really references out of Isaiah 6.10. Eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And guys, I would just encourage you that that would be your daily prayer every time you go into the Scriptures. You're just not reading it for face value. What does God want to do that he, spiritually speaking, wants to unlock the precious promises of God and just giving you spiritual eyes and ears and a heart, that he, you can really get what he's saying. And, and it's, he says you've been given the mind of Christ, but sometimes we've got to remember that, engage that mind, don't we? <laughs> and so I would encourage you, if you want to start this process, just take Matthew 13 and then just start working that thing and look at what Jesus has to say, because that's the tw- Romans 12.1, the renewing of your mind. And... And just, he wants to unlock the treasures in your heart for this. So, how do you pray through the scriptures? So, as we move forward with this, um, these next three weeks, I just encourage you to look and read and reflect on First and Second Timothy. I want you to read through that thing, because if you can imagine... Uh, let me just frame it this way. And I actually... Um, I not thought about this in a while. Um, my 93-year-old grandfather, three years ago, and I sat with him in his crippled chair. And I remember well, it was about 10 o'clock at night in Conyers, Georgia, and I sat with him, leaning into him. And he looked at me with his little crippled finger shaking. And he just said, Russell, if your dad wrote you a letter, would you read it? Yeah, Papa, absolutely. Would you read it more than once? You know what? There's no doubt. Would you read it? Would you study that letter, Russell? Yes, I would. Russell, I want you to read the word of God in the same way. It's a letter from your father, and you're his son, Russell. And I want you to read that letter, because it's your dad who's writing to you. And he would later go on to say, specifically, Russell, I want you to get into Timothy, because it is one of the best models that we see from an elderly Paul father figure speaking to a spiritual son that we don't really pick up that kind of heart and spirit, the literally the last letter that Paul ever read to a spiritual son. is such intimate language that's in that letter to a man that's probably not unlike us. 
And so I want you to read those letters over the next few weeks like a son. And I want you just to let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you, just making observations and looking at things and dig into it as much as time and attention will allow to see some things unlock. Now, why are we doing this? I have a confession. Um, it's, I'm an early bird anyway, but there are certain times about every 10 days that I have a 3 a.m., 2.47 a.m., 3.11, 2.20, and I just, it's, I'm just not going back to sleep. And I've just found that rhythm, and I asked a couple older guys about it, and they're just like, you know, just embrace it. Get up. You know, just get whatever you got out, write it down, whatever it is, and, you know, and take another little nap for an hour if you need to. But it's, it's not a character issue. It's not insomnia. It's just that you do have a lot going on. And so I'm not suggesting that's a model for anybody, but that's my reality. And so my reality is I woke up with one of these last week, and it was, and it just, as I was laying there, I'd never seen this before, and I was reflecting on this verse. It's familiar to many of you. God's not given you, men, a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. And given where we're going this fall in the net, that I'm really challenging you guys to look at the gifts of God that are inside of you. And for what Paul was exhorting Timothy was in this way, and his power most resonates with the gifts, spiritual gifts that Paul was talking about earlier in the letter. When I look at the character of Timothy, he was exhorting that love would, would be displayed as a characteristic of Timothy. And, and, and a competency or a skill set is that just that, that Timothy would have a sound or resolute mind, a one of self-discipline. And I see those words, and and it it grips me, guys, because I want to be that same kind of guy. I want to step into that. Because the fact is, is that I'm bound with too much fear. I'm bound with too much timidity, and that God is just waiting to unlock that stuff inside of me, and he's waiting to unlock that stuff inside of you. But we need to be aware of it. And so as you read through Timothy over these next few weeks, I want you to read it with the grid of what are the gifts that he is calling out of Timothy? What, 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 what is the character that he is calling out of Timothy? And what are the competencies or the skills that he's calling out of him? And if you look at the sheet that we handed out, where you take your notes. That's really the focus. And so those are the words to Timothy. What I'm hoping through the course of this fall is that something would get deposited inside of you of what is the gift of God inside of you that needs to be fanned into flame. And that you would have the courage enough to write that thing down, to see that thing fanned into flame where it's just sitting there barely at candlelight. And what's the character that God is wanting to just develop inside of you that that really becomes you and your reputation? And what are the specific skills 
that he is calling for you to develop. And just even specifically, just between now and year end, if you will, that you would look back and you would actually identify those three areas and that you can see some victories in that. Not just victories for yourself, is that you truly become a blessing to others in your life because of these things that he's developing inside of you. Does that make sense? Is it clear where we're, we're trying to go? This isn't a seminary. I've already done that. You know, This is just your personal development that just like my old man friend Gary Klingler said, I want you to show up at 5.30 in the morning every other week, and I want you to read this, this, and this. And, you know, for me, that worked. And not everybody got, not, every, not everyone's like that. But, you know, whatever way that you develop, whatever way stirs you, then let's, let's really figure that out and get you moving in that.